0: Hey everybody, this is Darren Van Dam and you are listening to the Flick Connection podcast, the show that helps you get more out of movies. And today I've got a packed show, got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. I'm probably going to be all over the place. We're going to talk about some really interesting trailers that just recently dropped, some movies I really want to see, uh, give you a little bit of insight into why you might want to see them. Uh, Believe it or not, I'm actually going to talk about this sort of resurgence of natural hair in movies, which seems like an odd thing for a white kid from Mississippi to uh, be interested in, but I'm very just fascinated by it. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the amazing fall Netflix has coming up. They have 10 really stellar-looking Netflix originals, and I'm not just, like, gushing for the sake of it. I've not been a fan of most Netflix originals, and there are 10 potential winners. Guaranteed, three or four of these are gonna be really, really good movies. There might be one or two that are some of my favorite movies of the year. They're gonna be coming on, you know, coming out directly on Netflix over the next few months, between now and Christmas. I've got 10 that I want to talk about. And some of them even feature some directors, some up and coming directors that I absolutely love, would pay like They've already won me over. I will pay to buy a ticket to see their next five or six movies, no matter how bad they are. Directors like that, Netflix has got a couple of those. So, including, They've got some of the top directors doing some Netflix originals now, so just just stay tuned for that. That's going to be the second half of the show. Uh, we're going to jump into, like I said, the trailers. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to talk about some movies I watched this week. So let's go ahead and jump into it. The Old Man and the Gun is the next and last movie to star Robert Redford. He is officially retiring from movies. Uh, Not that I really care. I am a fan of old Robert Redford movies. I'm not particularly partial to him, but he's in so many good movies, it's hard not to be a fan of Robert Redford movies. But, at least some Robert Redford movies anyway, but he's doing his last movie, or it's done. It comes out in a few weeks. It's called The Old Man and the Gun. It looks really good. Now, it does have... One of the lamest premises you can have for a movie, which is a bunch of retired bank robbers decide to pull off one last job. It's that kind of a thing. Sounds terrible. Danny Glover's in it. It just, on paper, I hate this movie. Would never want to go see it. The trailer looks so good, though. It looks like a classic movie. And not 100%. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a modern edge to it, but it's got this really nice little throwback edge to it that I I absolutely want to see. I will probably go to the theater for this, and it's directed by a director whose work I really respect. He did Ain't Them Body Saints with Ben Foster, Rooney Mara, Casey Affleck. He did Peach Dragon, which is a really, really underrated and great family-friendly movie. You do not have to watch that one with kids. It really is that good. Uh, And A Ghost Story, which a lot of people liked. Another one with Rooney Mara and Affleck. Very understated, very subtle work uh, he does, but I I dig it. I like it, and and The Old Man and the Gun looks like possibly some of his best work, so cannot wait to see that. That may be overstepping it. I can wait, (laughs) but I do want to see it. Another one they just released a trailer for is called Slice. It's a comedy horror that revolves around pizza delivery. Uh, Not particularly... You know, exciting me, but I think I'm saying her name right. Zazie Beetz, who played Domino in Deadpool 2, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the show. And she stars in Atlanta. She really is an up-and-comer. She has not been in many things. She is fantastic. Like, I cannot wait to see more from her. She stars in this. And she's she was so good in Deadpool 2 that while she didn't steal the show because she was only in a a couple of scenes, she stole those scenes from Ryan Reynolds. She really did, which is a a major, major compliment, because he plays that character so well. There's, There's just charisma for days that comes out of him, and she upstaged him on multiple occasions in that movie. I mean, she was really, really impressive on screen. She's really pretty, but just has a really, really good screen presence. Uh, so I'm excited to see where what we get out of her. I anticipate her to become, just remember you heard it here first, I anticipate her, her placement in movies and her fame to rise so quickly that this movie Slice will be beneath her by the time it releases, which is soon. So I think she'll she'll be like the biggest person in that, especially a year from now, when you look back at that movie, you're going to be like, why is she even in this? I I almost anticipate that kind of a a thing from it. And then another thing that, she brought up, well, I'll get into it. I mentioned the natural hair thing already. I want to talk about that when I talk about Deadpool because it's it's making a comeback, and it actually sort of comes up in two of the stories I've got ready for this week, and it's something I'm absolutely fascinated by. I talked about it a little bit in relation to Black Panther. Um, apparently, it's a big deal, and I mean, I'm not downplaying it. I just... I, you know, being a a, a white guy from, um, you know, South Mississippi, I don't fully understand it, but I do understand that there's, like, there's a cultural thing uh, where black women don't or haven't for the longest time worn their natural hair proudly. And I, I, I don't know enough to really speak on it too much, but I do see that there there's the, the beginnings of a, like, cultural resurgence to to do so. And it's cool and, like, I think I'm I'm going ahead and I'm blowing my thoughts on it now, but like Zazie beats in or Domino, we'll call her in, and uh, Deadpool, she wore like this this real wild kind of afro. It looked great on her. Uh, you know, she wore it well. Plus, her personality kind of helped. I think elevate just the style of her character. Uh, a lot of natural hair in a Black Panther. And then uh one Netflix original movie coming out that I'm not gonna talk about just because again, I don't really have too too much to say on this subject. I don't quite fully understand it. Um there's a movie called uh Napoli Ever After about a woman, you know, a black woman and in, in sort of she's not in finance. She's in she's in like executive level jobs, but she kind of obsesses over straightening her hair and it's it's all about that. Um I, I just I'm also not talking about it because it's probably not one I'm going to watch, but it's obviously a thing that's sort of like uh, becoming increasingly more uh, uh, prevalent in movies. I mean, Chris Rock did a documentary maybe like 10 years ago now called Good Hair, and it was all about this subject as well. Um, But I think the thing that's going to uh, bring it back... And let me just say, the reason I'm interested in it is because I find it interesting when people... I think there there's merit and there's benefit to people um, embracing who they are and not um, not going with uh, n- not, not artificially enhancing their looks too much. I mean, a little bit of it's good and to do it for fun is is fine, but like too much plastic surgery, just j- just not ever quite being happy with the way you are. Um, I think being able to do that is uh, there's there's a lot of positivity in that. So for uh, black women or just women with a, you know ethnic hair to be able to uh, wear it proudly and not cover it up, not have to straighten it all the time or cover it up with a wig or anything like that, for them to be able to do that, I think is kind of a cool thing. That's about all I have to say about it. But with it being in movies so much. Uh, Movies won't make it fashionable, and if it is fashionable, people will start to do it more. And I think there's going to be it's it could be a positive force in some people's lives if they're not having to like hide a part of themselves or at least feel like they need to do that all the time. That's basically the extent of my uh, thoughts on it. But I, I'm I'm into it. I, I like it, and it look it, she pulled it off great. It's the the women in Black Panther did. Uh, there's women in other movies too, but it. I, I, To be totally honest, I dig the look, too. So, moving on from that. I think that's enough for me on that. Uh, Suspiria. The remake of Suspiria is coming out soon. It comes out in a couple of months. The trailer dropped recently. It looks fucking sick. So, Suspiria is a classic, classic horror movie. Um, If you've never seen it, now's the time to check it out. But they've got a remake, and the thing about this remake is it's directed by the same guy that did like the most Oscar-baity movie of 2017, Call Me By Your Name. Very, very artsy movie. For him to go from that, from this Oscar-bait movie about a, a gay relationship between an old older man and a teenage boy, to, to go from that to a horror movie remake is odd, but it looks super good. Tilda Swinton is in it. There's not a movie she's been in in the last 10 years where she doesn't kill it. A couple of others, including Dakota Johnson from the Fifty Shades movies, which I'll just say it. I'll, I'll, it's not a popular opinion. I'll just say it. She's not a good-looking actress. She's not. Not in my opinion. And and I'm not doubting anybody's... I, not that she needs to be. Not that every actress needs to be beautiful. I think the concept of that is ridiculous. But for her to be like this this intense object of desire in every movie she's in, including the Fifty Shades movies, I do not get it at all. Um, she's homely looking at best, in my opinion. Um... And the only reason I'm hating on her looks is because she's just like put on this pedestal as this like just intensely desirable woman, and I do not see it. If you see it and you're listening on YouTube, let me know in the comments because I'm I'm missing something. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, but that's it for everything coming out. The uh, Paramount. So I've got a couple issues with Paramount. One of them. So they made the news. So I'll talk about my issue with them, which I kind of did already. But the recorder wasn't working right, so I'm having to redo the first 10 minutes of the show. But um, Paramount's got some protesters because they have been underrepresenting Latinos in their movies for like statistically for like 10 years. When really and truly, it's probably been like since the beginning of the the, the studio. But the last 10 years are the chunk that's being looked at cuz it's like something i don't know who has time for this i really don't or how accurate it is i mean the stat it's accurately a stat it's the stat that's being thrown around whether or not it's accurate i, I would have to quit my job and quit youtube in order to prove this but it is accurate but and i and i believe it but 7% of speaking roles in paramount movies over the last 10 years or so only 7% have been latino which makes sense. Sounds like it could be accurate. Let's just go with the fact that it is. So there are some uh, groups, a couple of groups that are protesting the studio. Basically just nothing crazy. They're not crazy protests. It's just to try to raise awareness so that they are more inclusive. I guess that's fine. I don't have an issue with it. I would argue, though, that if you, if you pay attention to the last couple of years... Um, they are already more inclusive, so to become even more inclusive is just maybe forcing it a bit. I don't ever I don't agree with forcing stuff like this, but I would also say I looked it up out of curiosity. You know, 10 years ago, the percentage of of uh, the Latina the, the, the percentage of the American population that is Latina was like 10% or something. It wasn't far off from seven and it's only just over the last 10 years really gone up significantly. Uh, so it's not like they, aren't, they were underrepresented by that much. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's not like these are violent protests or anything, so I don't really have an issue with it. The issue I do have is with Paramount. If I'm gonna complain about Paramount, uh, they have been retroactively demonetizing, not demonetizing, they've been retroactively copyright claiming my videos on the main Flick Connection channel. And if you only listen to the podcast, These are um, videos where I recommend maybe 10, maybe. It's always 10. It's always a top 10 list. But 10 movies to watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime. So they're movies from a bunch of different studios. I'm talking over it, and I'm showing my face talking to you just like I am now on the podcast. And then I'm showing clips that overlay the entire screen. They're all chopped up. They're out of chronological order. They're, uh, you know, like clips from trailers and stuff. Um, I'm showing those for, like... You know, 10 seconds a pop, maybe 30 seconds a pop, but I'm talking over them, so it completely falls under the guidelines of what is referred to as fair use, which means I'm allowed to use copyrighted material given that I'm praising the original material, I'm recommending it, which that's not the guidelines, but that that even further backs up the praise element, and then um, it it does not serve as a as a um, uh, replacement for watching the original material like you can't watch my channel and go. Oh, I've se- like okay I saw a portion of of orig- of the original material No, you saw a couple little video clips with my analysis over it. So the thing that sucks about them claiming them is They completely make any money that I would have made off the ads on that video from now on for forever. They make it YouTube lets anybody just do that with no proof I'm allowed to refute it, but then they have to uh, manually agree and say, Yes, we were it wrong, you're right, and give it back to me. Yet no one ever does that, and Paramount has not done it. Uh, I think they're making a mistake by doing that. So, what I've done out of necessity recently is instead of doing the whole overlay, some of you have noticed, uh, I'm just showing, I'm just floating the clip off to the side. I've had all of two complaints out of the thousands of comments I receive every week. So, I think I'm sticking with that format. Plus, my uh, subscriber rate and viewership has gone up. I don't think it's because of that, but it hasn't gone down in spite of it. That said, by the time this podcast goes out, I'm going to be knocking on the door of 25,000 subscribers on YouTube... Could not be more thrilled with this. Um, I've talked about it here before, but my goal for 2018, so December 31st, 2018, my goal was to reach 5,000 subscribers. I'm five times that right now. Will probably be maybe eight times that or more by the time December 31st rolls around. So thank you, thank you to everyone uh, that supports the show, that watches regularly. Uh, you you almost solely have made this happen. I mean, i put the work in, but you've done what is necessary for the growth. Like, I could have done all this work, and if you weren't watching, nothing would have happened. Li- I mean, literally nothing would happen. It would just be crickets. I'd just be talking into an empty box. So thank you for making sure that that does not happen. Um, I am trying to make the videos a little bit more fun on the channel. You may have noticed I did the post-apocalyptic one where I basically I hunched down in my crawl space and was fending off zombies while I was giving those reviews. Um, just sliced up my producer with a cleaver on accident. Uh, honestly, subjected myself to um, fairly intense electrocution uh, this week while reviewing uh, The Happy Time Murder, so I'm trying to spice it up. Um, I've got some fun stuff planned. I do not have time to do that on everything plus I think some of you probably just not care not see that every time Um, But the plan is to start doing more of that. So you'll see more of that coming up Um, Something else I'm working on that you may or may not find interesting. I want a new tattoo Um, I've got a couple. Uh, I've got my first one actually God all in all, because I, I got it touched up by a better artist a couple years later, all in all, I probably sat for six, 14 hours, Over, at least 12. I think it ended, ended up being about 14 hours. I think it was like eight on the original and then six on the retouch. Uh, it's, it's my entire, uh, I'm not going to show it, but it's my entire shoulders and upper back are all all tatted up so you can't ever see unless a t-shirt you can see a little bit um, peeking out the back. I guess I can show viewers that. So I've got a fair amount of ink on my body and then if I pop the wedding ring off, I've got a little, uh, you can't see it because it's blurry. I got a little arrow hiding underneath the wedding ring and the, uh, the missus has a little heart. But what I want is I'm definitely, you know, wanting to do a sleeve. I just like them. I like colorful tattoos. I like black and white tattoos on people plenty. I I see especially people that get, like, little ones that are kind of thin and stuff. Uh, They look cool to me. I just don't see me having that. I just, I like pop. I like color. Um, I want to get a movie-themed tattoo um, potentially a full sleeve down to my wrist, but I would probably start with a half sleeve, go up shoulder, and you can actually see the uh, rest of the tattoo already kind of comes up to my shoulder, I uh, so I wanna blend it in, and come all the way down, but I want it to be movie themed, and I want it to be different movie characters and stuff. My uh, tattoo artist, Craig Foster, look him up, use him. If you're in Georgia or anywhere nearby, he is amazing. He's been on uh, Ink Master a couple of times, like, uh, he got eliminated kind of early on one season, and then they had him back, and he went really, really far. He's really, really fantastic, um, and just a uh, all-around good guy. I've spent hours with him, you know, with, with him digging a needle into my back, and, uh, and I still like him, so... Can't can't say anything but nice things about him here, but he's got a really cool style. So I want to I'm collecting like images and illustrations from different movies, you know, and just my favorite movies. So I want like Lebowski somewhere, um, probably some sort of like a, a Terminator somewhere, um, Jaws. Uh, I'd love to have a Goodfellas something, but I don't know that it's going to translate into a tattoo so well. Uh, the Millennium Falcon I want to have sort of incorporated, so I want this full, colorful mural. Um, so I'm working on that right now, and I'll probably do like a full video. That'll probably be the Darren Van Dam channel um, at some point, but this could be this could be six months from now before I get around to doing this. But I'm I'm in the process of like developing the ideas for that, so I'll share more. Uh, with that as I come around to it. And then I think that's it for the first half of the show. Now, let me go through the stuff I watched this week because I'm going to really... I got 10 movies I want to talk about that are coming out on Netflix and that's going to take up some time. So, I mentioned Deadpool 2. just now got around to watching it. Problem is... Uh, we had our second child March 31st of this year, and I'm only just now getting around to being able to go back to the movies, to go see new releases, and so Deadpool's one of the ones I missed, which is why I had uh, Dan from the Blu-ray Dan channel review it on the Flicks of the Week last week. Don't feel right really talking about movies I haven't seen in too much detail on the main channel. So uh, he's, I've had him on a couple of times recently. I've got another YouTuber possibly lined up to do the same. Um, it's a fun way to kind of let you know about other YouTubers you might be interested in and also to give me a break from having to talk about every single new release. Um, he did a good job with that. But I, I liked the movie a lot. I knew I would, but to me, it's just as good as the original. Um, we've been getting sequels like that. I mean, for the longest time, if you think back, sequels are notoriously bad. But not really anymore. I mean, there are exceptions. There are plenty of bad sequels, but it is no longer the rule that sequels are bad. Um, it's kind of rare that they're better. Um, it does happen. But, uh, I really, really like Deadpool. It was a lot of fun. Um... I already mentioned the natural hair thing, which... I don't know why I'm so fascinated by that. I mean, I explained it as best I could, but... uh, I watched Before I Wake on Netflix, which is technically a Netflix original, although it was produced without Netflix. Then they shelved it. Then Netflix bought it. Cool little horror movie, but for the love of God, man, I don't know what happened this past week, but every movie I picked out... (laughs) Not every, but three three movies I picked out in this past week to watch. Dead kids, heavily heavily centered around dead children, uh, which my wife just cannot handle right now. We've got two small, we've got a baby and a toddler, and just the thought of a dead kid is just like devastating. So uh, light spoilers, but Hostels. Opens up with dead kids and a dead baby. Couldn't handle that. Then, because I listed westerns on Wednesday last week on the Flick Connection channel, I also watched The Homesman, which I got multiple complaints in the comments. Why didn't you recommend The Homesman? Okay, the reason I didn't recommend The Homesman: it is a decent movie. Tommy Lee Jones is great in it. Hilary Swank is possibly better. It's got a fairly loose narrative. It's fairly loose it doesn't it's not really glued together number one so it would have been at the back of my list but I mean you are five minutes into this movie and a woman throws a screaming infant like newborn into an outhouse toilet uh, amongst other things amongst other horrifying things that it's just like it because i 'm recommending it, even if it is a good film, I can't just like recommend something like that to a mass audience with all the different types of people that are watching i can't subject I, I would be subjecting certain people to that that really should not watch that and can't handle that uh, so that's why i didn't recommend the Homesman, but that's another one I launched this week. God damn was it fucking grim. And then um, it's on Netflix if you want to go watch it. It is it is pretty good. Um, went and saw The Happy Time Murders in the theater. Not many people in there. Um, it was kind of lame. I did a review on it. In order to spice the review up, I, I literally got electrocuted. I had electrodes on my shoulder. Um, and got zapped every time I said certain words. Words that I did not know. Which turned out to be like puppet, muppet happy time, murder, like stuff that I would have said a bunch of times. <laughs> and uh, it, man, I, I really, it, it doesn't hurt as much as it literally like shocks you. You're like, whoa, especially because, because I didn't know the words, it took me a while to figure them out and then finally I learned to stop saying puppet. Um, but then there would be other words and then I just ultimately started getting shocked for no reason. Um, And then I did a follow-up spoiler review on the channel after that and I was fuzzy I mean my head was swimming a little bit I it It was uh Probably not the best idea I did about three minutes of research to make sure it was safe and Went to bed that night and actually woke up the next morning So it worked out but definitely do not try that at home and then I watched gringo which I have mentioned on the channel. It just got added to Amazon Prime. I told you on the Flicks of the Week segment why I have not watched it. The reason I have not watched it is because uh, I knew it was going to be available on Amazon Prime, and it didn't interest me that much. How do I know it's going to be available on Amazon Prime? Anything created by Amazon Studios, which, hint, hint, the Old Man and the Gun is an Amazon Studios production. Which means three months or so, maybe even two, maybe eight weeks, seven weeks after it releases on Blu-ray, it's going to be free to watch on for Amazon Prime members. Heads up on that. I knew that was going to happen with Gringo. It did. Watched it. It was all right. Shalto Copley, I like him. He was cool in it. Uh, the movie was kind of messy, though. I don't know that I'll be recommending it. Um... It's just, it, it just like didn't ever really hold. It had a lot of interesting things happening in it, but the the narrative was again just too loose. It was too sloppy. So that's it for the first half. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about um, these ten. Man, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited to talk about these Netflix movies. And then if I've got time, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Dragon Con uh, and just what that is and what it means and why I'm going. So I will be right back. And then we're back, and like I said, I want to talk about 10 upcoming Netflix originals that really, they look really good. With the exception of my number one pick, obviously, I did want to make it a solid 10, so I'll be brief with the one. It does look good, it just does not look like my type of thing. It's called, uh, but trust me, there's a couple in here that are well worth it. I'm going to spend some time on I'm super excited about them. But number one, The Land of Steady Habits actually comes out September 14th. So it's about to come out. It stars Ben Mendelsohn, who I really like. But the reason I'm even the least bit interested in this movie is because uh, Mendelsohn always plays a bad guy, and he plays a bad guy so well. He was the main bad guy in... uh, Rogue One. Uh, what was he most recently? Oh, uh, uh, Ready Player One. Those are his biggest performances. But, you know, he was the antagonist or the catalyst, maybe, in uh, uh, The Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, I, I, I mean, I could go on. He, he really, really is one of the better actors working today. He Luckily, he gets a ton of work. I think he does great. Uh, he's a really great scumbag. But... He's actually playing, like, a decent kind of, like, kind of, kind of guy. I mean, he, he, in this movie, he appears to be playing a guy who had a high-paying job in finance and sort of decides to walk away from that, uh, downgrades his life, leaves his wife, uh, just, he's in search for, like, something more. Really kind of almost reminds me of uh, Kevin Spacey in American Beauty, but maybe not as edgy, which is... Partly why I'm probably not that interested in this movie. It looks like it's going to be a little bit more of a like life lesson kind of a thing. But I like Mendelssohn And it would be interesting to see him play this like more like sort of what might be a likable character. Um, so that's, that's the reason it makes the list at all. But I'll move on. The Angel is uh, directed by Ariel Norman who directed The Iceman with Michael Shannon, about the the real story about the hitman. That movie was really cool. He's got a movie. It also says September 14th. I'm going to kind of be surprised if Netflix doesn't shift some of these at the last minute. Um, So don't hold me to these dates, but uh, The Angel is uh, a really good-looking spy flick based on a true story about an Israeli special informant. It just looks like a good little espionage flick. I'm really excited to see it. I think it is going to be a a solid Netflix original, um, possibly even somewhat in the vein of like their show Narcos, which that's kind of been the big complaint about Netflix originals is that they put out these these amazing shows and then their movies are not up to the same level. I think they're getting ready to turn that around. The Angel might be a clear indicator that that's going to happen, but then just a week or two later, it's two weeks, I don't know why I said a week or two, two weeks later, September 28th, Hold the Dark, which is one of my most anticipated movies of the year, only because uh, Jeremy Saulnier directed it, He directed Blue Ruin and Green Room, which are two of my favorite thrillers to have come out in the last couple of years. I absolutely love everything about both of those movies. And in this one, Hold the Dark, looks like he's upping the ante. It's about um, uh, this mother's child gets dragged away by wolves. And uh, and this is is in... It's either in present day or it's like Maybe ten years ago or something, but it's present day, and she hires a man played by a Jeffrey Wright, who I I like him, but he's usually like second fiddle. Uh, He's the lead in this one. He's a kind of a grizzly, you know, older guy, and she hires him to hunt the wolves down, uh, possibly recover the body, but at least like hunt the wolves down, kill them, so that she has like done something by the time her husband comes back from the war her husband is played by Alexander Skarsgård it looks really dark it looks really intense and from what i can tell in the trailer there is more to the story than what i just described what i just described is the setup and then there there's it like it goes down a rabbit hole so i'm super excited to see that one can't believe we're going to get to watch it directly on uh on Netflix but that's just coming out in a few weeks and like nobody knows about it I can't tell you for sure that it's going to be good but this is a safe safe bet I think this is the one nope this is the one I'm second most excited about the one I'm most excited about is the next one that comes out October 12th it's called Apostle there's no trailer for it yet there should be soon like in the next like week or two they should start running something for it But it's directed by Gareth Evans, which is why I'm the most excited for it. If you don't know who Gareth Evans is, he is the director of The Raid and The Raid 2. The Raid is a great movie. I love everything about it. But The Raid 2 is one of the best action movies to have come out this century. As far as just all-out action movies go, The Raid 2 might be in my top ten. And yes, I'm putting it up there with movies like Terminator 2, Mad Max Fury Road, like, that is how good The Raid 2 is. He did this movie called Apostle. Uh, I'm losing my place. It stars Dan Stevens. I don't know if Dan Stevens is playing someone in the cult or if he's the, like, main character, but it's about a man who goes to uh, uh, rescue his sister who was abducted by a religious cult. There's, like, one image out for it that tells you nothing, I know no more than what I just shared with you, but the fact that Gareth Evans' next movie is going to be a Netflix original on October 12th, and just the, the, the synopsis sounds cool, too, to know that the guy that did the Raid 2 is doing a movie like that. Guaranteed... I say guaranteed. There's probably going to be some fighting, some shooting, some some just violence violence in that one. I, I'm excited to see that one. Um, I might get less excited when a trailer drops, but Until that happens, this is my number one pick off of this list. All right. And then, this is going to be confusing, but on October 19th, there's a movie called 22 July that comes out. It's directed by Paul Greengrass. Now, Greengrass is famous for directing the Jason Bourne movies, Captain Phillips. He does a very good job of recreating real life. I know the Bourne movies are not real life, but he did a great job with that with Phillips, and he did a couple other movies. I want to say he did the, uh, United 93 movie as well. I could be wrong about that. But, excuse me, but 22 July is about, uh, it, it takes place in Scandinavia, and it's about the worst terrorist attack they ever had. I believe 77 people were, were killed during this event. And uh, the reason Netflix even has it is this this was a big... I say big movie. I think the budget for it was something like $20 million, which is fairly big. I mean, it's it, this is a movie that would have come out in theaters, but the the people of Scandinavia petitioned heavily to have the production of this shut down, petitioned heavily to have its release shut down, so much so that studios really didn't want to touch it, so I believe that's how Netflix came to get their hands on it. I know I'm probably missing some pieces of that puzzle, but that, that at least gives you a little bit of insight. There's been no trailer for this either, but, and not every Greengrass movie has been great, but he is a really good director, and there's a good chance this is going to be a really good and really intense movie. Um, the Other Side of the Wind uh, is a lost Orson Welles movie that has just recently been completed. Now, he before he died, he completed all the principal photography on it. Um, it was basically, the filming was done, the editing had maybe started, but the editing was was nowhere near finished. It had since been finished, and Netflix, somehow or other, came, came across the rights to, uh, distribute it. So, that's gonna come out, that's really gonna be a, a movie lover's movie, that's gonna be someone that really, really loves filmmaking, that just has to see this, like, lost relic. I'm kind of anticipating it's probably not gonna be very good, uh... Wells, you know, as brilliant as he is and as, as important of a filmmaker as he is, uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is the last thing he did before he died, and I don't think all cylinders were firing when that happened, so I wouldn't expect too, too much from it, but it, it, oddly enough, it is about a director coming back from exile and creating a film by the same name, The Other Side of the Wind. That's November 2nd. Check that out. Another one. Super, super excited about this. I cannot believe Netflix got this. And this is not hyperbole. I really, really am. Outlaw King. Directed by David McKenzie. Starring Chris Pine. Is a midi... Is a... It takes place in medieval Scotland. There's an all-out battle in it. Think kind of Braveheart. It looks great. David McKenzie. Also directed... Hell or High Water with Chris Pine and Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges I re- that was one of my favorite movies of 2016 I think that, I believe it was 16 and not 17, so that was one of my favorite movies of that year, this is his next film, November 11th, it will be on Netflix looks really good, cannot wait to see that man, I, this list just keeps getting better okay. No one knows this stuff. I mean, I had to dig to find this information. The Coen Brothers' next movie is going to be on Netflix November 16th. Yes, the, not two guys whose last name is Coen that happen to be brothers. The actual Coen Brothers, their next movie is a western anthology called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It stars Liam Neeson, James Franco, Tom Waits, and a bunch of their their regulars. Uh man, no trailer for it yet, but you know it's going to be good. The Coen brothers, the the Coen brothers' movies, even when they're bad, they're still pretty fucking good. You know, not all of them are masterpieces, but even if it's not that good, it's still going to be one of the best Netflix original movies. I can't believe they've got these projects. They are forking out money hand over fist in order to put this stuff out. And just because I'm gushing about these Netflix movies, I just want to make it clear. I receive zero funds or support from Netflix. I've reached out to fucking Netflix, not for them to give me money, but for them to at least, like, maybe give me an inside track on some information that they want circulated. Uh, And they could not give... They could not give less fucks Uh, about Flick Connection. So no, I am not endorsed in any way, shape, or form by Netflix. I just happen to like the service. I know a lot of you like and use it. Um, On that note, quick side note. (laughs) It's the funniest thing, I've mentioned it before. But some of you know that the uh, Obamas are now have a production company, and I don't know that Netflix bought it, but Netflix is like buying, I don't know all the particulars, but Netflix is like buying their content has like signed a deal. So they're gonna be releasing content from Barack and Michelle Obama. And like, not just like a movie, like like steady content. And there's, uh, you know, politically, people are like deciding to boycott Netflix for it. Now I did a whole breakdown of that, basically how when you do decide to boycott for a reason like that, you remove yourself from the algorithm, which means Netflix now does not know that its subscribers do not want to watch that content because you're no longer in the system. So it's kind of a futile point. Yes, you robbed Netflix of the eight bucks a month you were gonna give them, but, I think it's 11 now, but um, you're no longer indicating to the algorithm that, hey, most of the uh, uh, paid subscribers don't want to watch this content. So the odds of it getting removed are, are, lowered by you, someone who doesn't wanna watch it, unsubscribing because of it. It's the quickest way I could explain it. But I still get people on my videos on the main Flick Connection channel. I'll do a top top 10 westerns on Netflix. People will hop on, they'll click on the video, There's a giant Netflix logo in the thumbnail, it's in the title twice, they'll hop in the video just to leave a comment to say, why they are boycotting Netflix. I don't understand that at all. I get multiple comments like that every single week. Almost one a day, it seems like. Almost to the point that I wonder if there's some sort of agenda, or like a uh, robot, bots going out, leaving these comments to try to make it sound. I I don't know, it's weird. I'm gonna move on because it's not as interesting as what I'm talking about, which is the next movie on the list. Roma, which is the next movie by Alfonso Cuaron, who directed Gravity and Children of Men. Uh, Really one of my favorite directors. I love everything he does. Uh, His next movie, Roma, is black and white. Supposedly it's very personal. It's about, um, for lack of a better word, nannies. In I think they're in specifically Mexico City in this one. Uh, So it'll take place in Mexico City. Um, and it's about, you know, caretakers, women that take care of the family, and as far as I can tell, maybe almost essentially raise the children. Um, so not, not a subject I would identify with, because I was raised by my parents, but, uh, the cinematography in this looks absolutely beautiful. The trailer looks, I mean, it's just, it just looks stunning. This comes out in September, September, December. A lot of tracking shots seem to be like a theme with it, at least with the trailer. But there's so many in the trailer that it's definitely a theme in the movie. And just like, it's it's one of the most beautiful looking black and white sets of cinematography in this trailer that I've seen in a very long time. And the reason I, I delineate between black and white is there's a different type of cinematography involved with black and white. You've gotta, you're, you're, because you don't have color to play off of, you have to really just, everything's about contrast. And, and I don't know, th- this movie just looks absolutely beautiful. It is probably going to be subtitled Foreign Language. I'm going to be watching it. It just looks really stunning. Um, a couple of these are going to be probably making the rounds in, during awards season. Although, Hollywood, the Academy, tends to not really like Netflix because they're not playing ball with the theaters the way Amazon is. Amazon's got multiple Academy Awards under their belt already. Netflix has none, as far as I'm aware. And part of that is because the the theaters... You know, in America, we've only got like three major theater companies. There are smaller ones in the mix, but most, like 90-something percent of the theaters in the country are operated between three different companies. And those companies essentially boycotted Netflix movies because Netflix is also going to put them on their platform in the same day, whereas Amazon Prime is not doing that. The theater's like, well, we're not going to run your movie if you're just going to put it out on the platform. So they're, they're, because it discourages people from coming to the theater, so the theater companies aren't playing ball, which then, in turn, Hollywood's not wanting to play ball, and ugh. So we might see some of these movies uh, in the award circuit this year just because I don't know how they're going to turn down a movie like this. I mean, I talked about the inclu- the, the inclusion of, of you know, Latino roles being an issue this year. If that's really an issue and you're going to turn down a movie like Roma created by a Spanish director, taking place Spanish language taking place in Mexico, released on Netflix with some of the best cinematography of the year, like uh, uh, no, good try nice try trying to exclude that one I don't think it's going to happen do I think it's an Oscar bait movie? No, but it's definitely Oscar fodder and I'm going to be surprised if we don't see it on deck uh, you know, and, and it's even being released at the time of year that you try to release an Oscar winning movie and then finally number 10 Bird Box there's no images, there's no footage, there's no nothing for this one. It's also slated to come out in December, but it is a post-apocalyptic thriller about a mother and children. It just says children, so they might not all be her children. They're blindfolded, I don't know why, and they have to navigate their way down a riverbank. That's, that is the synopsis, but Sandra Bullock, Sarah Paulson, John Malkovich, handful of other recognizable faces all in it. I'm I'm in. I it, I I don't know. It sounds sounds like a solid solid effort from Netflix. So that that's that's their sort of end of the year effort, their holiday you know rush effort. Um, solid work from Netflix all around on this. I'm hoping some of these I think really have a lot of potential. Um, if you are watching. On YouTube let me know in the comments which one grabbed your attention the most um, I will likely put this on the main Flick Connection channel as well with some clips of the trailers this week just as an attempt to try to get more people on that channel to come over here check out the podcast um, but I'll move on uh, Dragon Con I mentioned that so Dragon Con By the way, if you are listening, if you're one of the few people watching this, and you go to Dragon Con, let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear from you. But this is kind of like the Comic Con uh, we have here in Atlanta every year. But it's really more about... From my perspective, this one's more about the sort of fun... Element in it. It's not as clean and professional as Comic-Con. There's not as many of the big stars and reveals at it even though there are there are stars at it, but it is a a geek fest There are in downtown Atlanta uh, amongst multiple hotels that are all kind of conjoined there are tens of thousands of geeks in costume partying. Me and my friends ride down there. We tend to we tend to wear costumes and we have a blast. Um I love I love it. It's it's like Mardi Gras for us. It's always on Labor Day weekend. I'm telling you, it is the most fun so this year we put a lot of thought into what our costumes were going to be. It's me and two two friends that are going, and we'll meet up with other people and stuff. But there's going to be the three of us together. So, we're like, hey, we want to do something that kind of uh, we want to do something that kind of works together, you know? Because just something by itself, then you get kind of like, what are you supposed to be, and you get all that. So, we kind of want something to play off of each other. But it's hard to do with three grown men we are probably too old to be dressing up in costumes anyway. But what we landed on were we're going to do three separate famous Kurt Russells. So I'm going to do uh, Escape from New York. I've got the eye patch. I've got the sleeveless black shirt. I've got gray, fairly snug fitting gray camo pants, shin guards, boots, the whole, the whole thing. My buddy's going to be Kurt Russell from... Uh, big trouble in little China he's got the mullet he's got the official tank top he's got the the moccasin you know boots and then uh, the the third is gonna be uh, Kurt Russell from the thing he's got the like official like dark the official like dark welding glasses the the hat the the uh, you know uh, ski, jumpsuit that he he's gonna have probably like some sort of dynamite bandalore that i'm gonna have to make for him but uh man i'm excited about it it should be a lot of fun like i said if you uh if you're gonna go let me know in the comments i'm probably gonna float that out on um on uh instagram as well it'll be an opportunity to meet me you can definitely if you see me don't hesitate come up say hello let me know where you know me from um we have so much fun at this thing. I probably shouldn't say this because it technically is a crime. But who's going who's gonna to know? There's a 50-50. I, I've thought about it a lot and I've, I've researched it. There's a 50-50 chance that a friend of mine, who will remain unnamed, punched Justin Timberlake in the face. Square in the face. So there is... Man, I almost don't even want to say why because that would give it away. Because if it is true, and when did this ever got to Justin Timberlake, he would know, if it did happen, he would know exactly what, he would know, he would remember the event. Because I guarantee he had a mark, whoever it was, had a mark on his face. The reason I'm not 100% sure, but I can guarantee it, is he was in a full Ernie costume. So head to toe Ernie, big felt head, the whole thing. We take The thing about Dragon Con is you walk around, you take pictures with people, I've got a picture of my buddies and Ernie with a giant rubber ducky, and Ernie's just giving the middle finger to the camera. It's, it's an awesome picture, it's in my phone. I probably should have brought it up for the purposes of this, but I didn't. Um, awesome picture, I love it. Five minutes after that picture's taken, we'd kinda of got separated, walking up. I'm trying not hard not to say my buddy's name. But we walk up through the crowd and we see my buddy and Ernie at each other's throats, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, um, and li- getting pulled pulled apart by security. And so, uh, you know, all night he's going, "What? What did that? What was that motherfucker's problem?" <laughs> like, you know, because we didn't see, and he kept saying that Ernie shoved him. Ernie shoved him. Well he was drunk out of his mind and the next day he apologized to me and admitted to the fact that he 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 didn't hit Ernie on purpose but he tapped his big felt mouth and it probably like brushed caused the the back of that mouth I think to to bump whoever was in there in the face they shoved he came back stuck his fist down Ernie's throat which is technically somebody's face and uh, the fight ensued it was quickly broken up And that was it. Well, year and a half later, I'm sitting down watching a movie. My sister texts me out of nowhere. This article, this story about Justin Timberlake and the fact that he used to go, during that time period, he would go to Comic-Con and other events like it, dressed as Ernie. There's a photo of just what is supposedly Justin Timberlake in an Ernie costume, identical to the one I have a photo of. And, at the time, I remember it was weird, because the guy had a girl with him, who was not in costume, who did not appear to be a girlfriend, who, even at that time, before I suspected it was somebody famous like Justin Timberlake, she seemed to be, like, a handler. Like, she was sort of, like, helping him, guiding him, but she was, like, almost like a personal assistant. And, that fight, there's... I'm talking, there's tens of thousands of people. It's not an event where people get out of hand. It was probably one of the only punches thrown in the last few years. So there's not a heavy security presence. That fight was broken up before we could get to him. It happened so fast, he never took his head off, which bothered me at the time, because who gets in a fight in essentially a mascot uniform and doesn't just take that head and throw it off? Who doesn't do that? Justin Timberlake. Last piece of evidence. Justin Timberlake is very fond of showing his middle finger in photos with people. You can Google it. There are tons of pictures of Timberlake with his middle finger out. His size matched up. The story matches up. The middle finger. The circumstances. Yet, even with all that evidence... I give it 50-50. I like to think that it maybe happened. Nothing against Justin Timberlake. I actually having to like him, but still, pretty fucking cool story. So that's the kind of fun we have at Dragon Con. I'm looking forward to it. I will probably have one heck of a story next week, as I will be have just be coming back from Dragon Con. Um, I will be in recovery. I may need an IV on Saturday morning. Uh, but that is it for this show. Thank you so much for sticking with me. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to keep putting the show out as long as you keep listening, but thanks for checking it out and you will hear me on the next one.